0: He's got room now. It's Leo Messi, 1-1. Now the turtle to dribble brilliant forward. Amazing goal from Cristiano Ronaldo. Palatale, Welcome to yet another episode of the Sports Fix podcast. With me, Daniel Majani. And me, Kelvin Mwangi. So here's what's lined up for the show today, the January transfer window around the corner, Liverpool create a massive lead on top of the table, Uh, and the very controversial Serie A anti-racism campaign, Mm -hmm. the German Bundesliga getting more competitive. So we'll just uh, dive directly onto the first topic of today and uh, we have to discuss the January transfer window. The winter is around the corner. Uh, different clubs are making various moves to sign. Maybe the people who can be able to come in and salvage their season. And we're talking about salvaging. Let's start with the uh, Erling Brat Haland, the 19-year-old, tall, lanky, Norwegian attacker. Do you think that this is the guy to save Manchester United scoring problems?
1: Yeah, to me I think Haaland is a good fit for Manchester because you guys just like a natural goal scorer Mm -hmm. because the likes of Marshall, Marshall is a good attacker Mm -hmm. and but they are mainly wing players who want to have the ball more and Rashford also, he's on and off form. That's the problem with Rashford. But for Haaland, he's just there when you need him. He just needs a tap. Mm -hmm. He's just, he's so good in the air. Whereas you guys, unless your defenders score a header, Mm -hmm. then it's hard for you to score even a corner. Mm -hmm. But for Haaland, he'll be good for any air balls and any... Rubles because you know your forward, your forward line is speed enough. The likes of Daniel James on the wing and maybe Rashford or Marshall on the other wing. Then Haaland will get a lot of sup- supplies for balls, for cutbacks and
0: crosses and everything. I, I'm also a very big fan of Haaland, but. Uh, coming to think of it like we have uh, a striker who's on form right now by the name of Timo Vana and i think he might cost uh, he might cost us way more cheaper than haland uh, uh, because manchester united will have to fork out around 76 million pounds to get the signing of that teenager and keeping his mind that he's <laughs> he's represented by Mino Raiola who we all know he funds his money a lot more than talent. I'm actually not a very big fan of that agent, but... I'm a
1: fan sh- of Minoru. <laughs> he knows his job. That's what an agent should be doing. Yes, he, in know,
0: business. he knows his job, but he, that guy is very controversial. He's, he's known for uh, making his clients lose focus with an example of Paul Pogba, with an example of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So so that he can benefit from their sales. So I'm not a very big fan of Mino, but should Haaland come in, I think it will be a very good move for Manchester United because he really knows how to hold the ball up front. So it will be a very good addition. And speaking of Haaland, we also have another one of his teammates by the name of Takuna Takuma Minamino. And as per the latest reports is that he's at uh, Massey side right now having his medical uh, and it will be announced much later that they have signed him. And I think for 7.5 million, that is a very, very good bargain for Liverpool. What do you think about Minamino?
1: Uh, To me, Takumi Minamino is just... What maybe not Liverpool needed because they have like sub players like Chamberlain and the likes of Shakiri, hmm. who can play very well on the wing. But let's not forget Minamino's performances
0: in the Champions League. That 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 amazing goal! <laughs> he did Van Dyke dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah! Like making Van Dyke look. <laughs> like a clown for once. <laughs> we all know no one dribbles past Van Dyke. They yeah. claim that, but Minamino made it look very easy. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons Liverpool are also going in the market for him. But the good thing with Minamino is is competitive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And He can be in the chemistry that Liverpool are, like just uh, 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 like pressing, 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 pressing. Like what Klopp says, he likes pressing football. I think that's why he went for Minamino. He has speed, Mm -hmm. he has power, he has skill, and also his technique in finishing. He can curl the balls very well, and his passes are so good. So having Minamino on the wing... Salah on the other wing and maybe yeah, money on the wing, Minamino on the wing uh, it will give them an option of lots of options for sure so that we, we all say that Liverpool doesn't have depth but having those guys like Minamino and maybe Shakiri when he's not injured on the wings then Liverpool is a deadly team
0: Yeah, and winding up this transfer topic, we can't complete that without talking about a man who is on high demand at the moment. Zlatan Ibrahimovic has been linked with AC Milan for the longest time ever since saying that he's made the MLS great again, and and now Everton seems to be in for him as well. And uh, another person who might be heading out of Premier League is Leroy Sane with a lot of German media houses reporting that Bayern Munich have made him a priority uh, in the January transfer window. So starting with Zlatan, do you think that he might uh, he might solve Everton's problem with Ancelotti coming in?
1: Uh, to me, I don't think Zlatan is the problem solver for... Everton, I mean, Everton needs someone to help them in attack because the likes of Iwobi they there without Moise King will be their next big thing. But Moisekin hasn't really clicked in Massey side. Mm-hmm. And Zlatan, we all know Zlatan is big, just like his name and he has every right to boss. so let's see how well he does in case Everton buy him I know they're just rumors but who knows the Mm. Premier League is so attractive and no, uh, no one would want to go to Syria I know AC Milan is his top priority in some way because he likes the Italian league been there done that played there a lot and shined there but let's see if Everton can click him and see how he performs because he can lead, he's a leader that's the best thing with Latin.
0: And now that we're talking about Everton, uh, I think we should uh, head directly to their manager problems Uh, Duncan Ferguson has been able to do well ever since Marco Silva was shown the door four points out of the possible six but we can't actually say it's possible because he's managed to get a win versus Chelsea and a draw at Old Trafford so we can't take anything away from him at the moment but Carlo Ancelotti has been in as uh, has has been in Everton the whole week as uh, I think as the reports are saying at the moment is that he's been able to strike a deal with the management of Everton Football Club so do you think Ancelotti is the right man to push Everton forward at the moment because they've been able to get various managers ever since David Moyes left the club and all of them from Sam Allardyce uh, have have come into the club uh, managers like Ronald Koeman they are good managers who have very good CVs from their previous clubs but it seems No one seems to get it right at Everton. Do you think Ancelotti is the man?
1: Uh, To me, I think Everton's problems can be fixed by Ancelotti. I he has the experience to do that. He's done that. With big clubs, we're looking at his time at AC Milan, where he was successful even having the Champions League on two occasions, Mm -hmm. going to Real Madrid, Mm -hmm. though that's a galactical team, anyone can be successful there, Mm -hmm. and going to Bayern Munich, where he was, to my opinion, he was successful, but Bayern Munich needed Hanks as their coach back, so Phil, to me he has the vast experience that's needed for the Premier League looking at his time also in Chelsea mm. but uh, I'm not sure he's the man to save the Everton ship because the Premier League is a hard league and sometimes it's not the managers because we look at clubs like Arsenal now they sacked their 22 year old Arsen Wenger Venga, <laughs> they wanted to replace him with another manager. They thought Wenger's time was done. But when we look at that, it's not about even the managers in some instance because right now they had Unai Emery some three or four weeks ago. And he was dismissed not because he had a bad philosophy or anything, I think Arsenal just has a virus in it that's not more of a coach that they need. It's like the whole philosophy or the whole system they need to dismantle and start it over again. So Ancelotti feel like Everton can challenge, but it depends again on the players more than the coach, because they've had several managers in a row, and none has really saved them, so yeah.
0: Yeah, I also feel like uh, Ancelotti has kind of made the wrong move to come to Everton keeping in mind the caliber uh, of his stature and the kind of man that he he is the kind of clubs that he has managed but maybe time will tell, maybe he he can come, uh, come at Everton and be able to Turn things around because he has a very wonderful CV, which speaks for itself. He's been successful at different clubs. Although you bring the point that it's very difficult not to be successful in the kind of clubs that he has managed, and I feel uh, in Everton it uh, it brings a whole different challenge and a whole uh, different uh, mountain that he has to climb. So. Everton doesn't have a very bad squad, if I might say. And I think uh, if Ancelotti is given time and money, uh, which is a very big essential to any manager at the moment, but I think time is very difficult to get in the Premier League. But for money, I am sure he'll be able to be given, keeping in mind the kind of wealth that Everton chairman has so, I think maybe come January or at the end of the season, uh, Ancelotti will be able to make one or two uh, acquisitions that maybe might add to that uh, Everton side. Because you see, for someone like Luca Dean, he is a very good left back, but at the moment, he's not uh, where he was last season. So, I think uh, with Everton, it's actually not. The kind of manpower that they have, but the kind of shift the players should be able to to turn, because they have very good players, who I think, if they decide to focus, uh, uh, to focus uh, on what they are supposed to do, they'll do uh, very well. So, and after Ancelotti you also know there's another club which is in dire need of a manager. And that has to be Arsenal. <laughs> I knew that's what you wanted to say. Yes, because Arsenal is actually a very weird club, as many people think, because it's, I think it's common sense for, for a club. If a club sacks a manager, the, the most uh, viable thing uh, for, the, for that club to do is win at least three games. And that's not rocket science. Look at a club like Everton. Uh, Marco Silva was sacked. Dan uh, Duncan Ferguson came in with a very tough fixture because he has had to face Arsenal and Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, I mean, and Manchester United. But he has been able to get points. Uh, look at uh, look at a club like Manchester United when Mourinho was sacked. Ole came in, won almost 13 games on the bounce. Look at Chelsea uh, with Zari. So, also, Tottenham. Uh, yes, yeah, so and Tottenham. even Tottenham at the moment. So, Arsenal, Arsenal's problem lie to more than just a manager, as you had said earlier, because Freddie Lumberg has come in and, and these players cannot, are not even able to just give that reactionary change. Just because uh, a manager was sacked, you can win at least two or three games. So, do you think if Arsenal get Arteta... Because a lot of uh, media outlets in the UK are reporting that Ateta uh, is leading in the race to become the next Arsenal manager. Do you do you think Ateta will be able to solve the kind of problems that Arsenal have at the moment?
1: I mean, it's good to have Ateta because he knows the team and he knows the. He has the feeling of losing as a player, so I think he would try so much not to lose again as a manager, but again, as I said, the problem with Arsenal is not more of the coach, it's more of the philosophy. Uh, To me, I feel people like Ozil, if there came a manager who can order new recruits, like other, other younger playmakers feel it could be fine for us because the problem is the philosophy. Mm -hmm. When we look at Liverpool, Liverpool had good managers, the likes of Benitez when he was winning the Champions League, but they reached a point where Liverpool needed an extra boost in the philosophy. like uh, Because they always had a very strong attacking front with the likes of Suarez, Tarridge and Sterling. And before that, Dick Kite, Fernando Torres, and Babel there. The same thing with Arsenal. They always have a front three that's very terrific. Look at the likes of Van Persie, Samir Nasri, and Ashavin on the wing, and having Fabregas as their playmaker. Then, comes again, Ozil and Kazola and Van Pasi again and Giroud there. The transition of the forward line is always good, but the defense is a problem. There is a virus back there. (laughs) All the recruits, anyone, you buy Mustafi, that's the most expensive Weird signing I've seen in my life. Mm-hmm. 35 million for Mustafi. Wow. Valencia got rid of the most expensive problem. And they smell to the bank. That one I can bet. 35 million for Mustafi. Mustafi is a waste. Then we come again. Uh Chelsea do not need David Lewis. Then Lampard thinks, wow, I think... There's a market down there. Can just dump him. Arsenal buys a Chelsea regret, uh, reject. Sorry, and then we have the likes of Callum Chambers. He's improving, but before that he was a defensive midfielder. Yeah, you can convert a defensive midfielder to a uh, to a centre back, but the rotation of the players. Makes them not even know what their position should be, and that's why we lost Oxley Chamberlain. Cause Wenger with his philosophy of transitioning players, just because he transitioned Thierry Henry from the wing to a number nine, Van Persie from the wing to a number nine, and with that he thought he could make Chamberlain a fullback. <laughs> That's a very foolish move. That's why Chamberlain couldn't hold on to his number in the starting 11. He's a good player, but when the coach doesn't know which position fits you best, then that's crazy. Same thing with maitland Nels at Arsenal. We have maitland Nels. He's a very good uh, defensive midfielder. We had him. Remember, there's a game he boasts Pogba. We were playing, though we lost, but he really played very well in that center midfield. But we go and buy Gwendouzi. Gwendouzi is a very amazing player to me. I can't say that he's overrated or think that he shouldn't be in this Arsenal side. But why do we buy the recruitment process in Arsenal or whoever does those... I really blame the former recruiting director, Ivan Gazidis, because even when he went to AC Milan, AC Milan again started performing badly because of how they sign. You don't sign what you need. You sign what's available. That's, That's his philosophy. Whereas you should be signing what you need. Because when we look at someone like Alex Ferguson, uh, he thought, I need a striker. When Tevez left, he thought, I need a striker. He bought Babatov. Babatov came, performed very well. Then Babatov left. He thought, now what I need to lift my last league cup. Is Van Persie? He should talk to Wenger, and sent Wenger just let him have his captain for 24 million. <laughs> Still hurts, but all with all respect to Van Persie, because mm. that's my guy. I really feel that was a brilliant move for him, because he really was wasted at Arsenal, mm-hmm. and that's the same thing with Aubameyang. Phil Aubameyang is a very good striker who could even go to Real Madrid and perform and other top clubs. But being in Arsenal, he can never lift a trophy there. sad to say as a national fan, but with our recruiting philosophy, it's bad because we don't buy when Van Dyke was at Southampton, we were heavily linked with him every other time. But why do we go and buy Lacazette, Lacazette for 65 million? Van Dijk was 75 million, whereby we, we are always weak on the defense. Every team knows, hey uh today we are passing Mustafi is there, that's a goal that's a goal, that's an it's either an own goal or dribble past him and score it's very easy to play Arsenal so I feel Arteta is not what we really need Uh to change the philosophy is what we need
0: okay uh for me Arteta uh, I think he's a pretty much good uh, manager having Uh, learned his trade (laughs) under the the double (laughs) the two time Premier League winner in Pep Guardiola so uh, a lot of Arsenal fans actually (laughs) are very happy because they think uh, uh, Arteta will be able to come with some uh, muakenya as we will say (laughs) from from the city from the city side he's been able to to learn a lot, I under Pep godiola yep. so maybe coming to Arsenal, he uh, will come with uh, one or two or maybe even five secrets on how this Arsenal side uh, can improve. But I also have to agree with you, uh, where you say the system is more of the problem than the manager, yep. because uh, we all know. Uh, It's not every every manager's will that his team should lose. And that applies to everybody, including Unai. Unai Emery tried a lot so that Arsenal (laughs) could win uh, three or four fixtures. But I think what is happening with Freddie Lundberg is evidence uh, enough to show you that Arsenal's problem is not the manager because... As I told you all earlier, I'm actually very shocked that Arsenal have even failed to have that reactionary win where you just have to win because you sacked a manager. Exactly. Because that's very that's like what that's the it thing in football. Whenever yeah, a manager point, right? <laughs> Yes, whenever a manager is sucked, at least you have to win like two or three games on the bounce before you come back to default settings. <laughs> so, so in Arsenal, I'm very shocked because Freddie Lundberg came in, and in fact, uh, the two games that you lost before you finally got your win, you even played worse than than when uh, Unai Emery was available. So I think once Ateta uh, will be given the job, once Ateta uh, will be given the job, uh, maybe he'll be able to turn things around. You you never know. And, yeah, 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 and on, and on to, the, uh, to the title race uh, because it seems Arsenal and Everton and, are on the same page. Uh, speaking of the bottom half of the table, <laughs> so let's move to the top half of the table where we have to talk about uh, Liverpool and company. Uh, so at the moment, Liverpool are what 11 uh, 10 points clear,
1: yeah, yeah, Liverpool are 10 points clear of the title race. Um five wins in five, in their last five, and that's as expected because seems no one is stopping them this season. We're, they're yet to lose. Then followed by Leicester. Leicester uh, is not d- a surprise.
0: <laughs> they dropped... F- points for the first time in eight games.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. that's that's bad news for Manchester United fans because we decided that this season we'll be supporting Leicester in the hope that maybe they'll be able to stop Liverpool. But at the moment, it seems this league is Liverpool's to lose.
1: Yeah, and Man City are in that. They dropped some points before they beat Arsenal mercilessly.
0: I have to say they dropped points against the great (laughs) Manchester United. So, as it stands, the city is red.
1: Yeah, the city is red, but not for long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chelsea have lost two of their last two games, or lost four of their last five games. And that's shocking for sure, but they are holding on to position four with 20 points behind the leaders. And the race for the top four is getting hotter because Manchester and Tottenham are slowly catching up. I remember in the last episode we talked about Manchester United not even in a position of qualifying for the Europa League. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing a, what uh, two games can do.
1: Yeah, miracles happen, and these are some of them. So Tottenham <laughs> are fifth with 26 points, three points of the top four race. And then Manchester United are 25 points. That's four points of the top. Top four race and Sheffield is a surprise Sheffield is a surprise they are not they are very consistent they are also four points behind the top four of the top four race and Wolves are eighth five points from the top four race so the top 4 is when you lose one game you never know it's changing it's ever changing and feel we can jump shift to the spanish la liga
0: oh no i actually wanted us to to talk a little bit about uh, liverpool uh, at the hem of the uh, of the table and the kind of performances they have do you think that they they'll be able to to lose this league this time around or do you think that uh, this is finally their year after 30 years without uh, lifting the coveted Premier League?
1: I give you this for free. Mm-hmm. It's only Arsenal that can lose the league <laughs> when they are topping the league by December. It's only us who can lose that league. No,
0: no, no. I have to disagree because <laughs> Uh, it's only happened. Th- uh, this the, the start. I'm going to tell you has only happened twice in the history of Premier League. Yeah. So it's only twice that a club has been able to lead the Premier League table at Christmas and failed to lift the title. And the two times it has happened, Liverpool were the guys <laughs> who are leading uh, uh, the Premier League at Christmas. So I, I think. Uh Christmas is next week. Uh Liverpool will be on top of the table. But history is not on their side. So never say never. I see that they are fourteen points ahead of Man City. So let's assume maybe Man City go on a very positive run and maybe Liverpool lose uh to Manchester City in the second leg. Maybe things can be able to be turned, but I'm crossing my fingers. I just really hope that uh, Man City maybe can be able to do something with Leicester. I think Liverpool face Leicester, and uh, the next weekend, yeah, maybe let's see if Leicester will be able to finally reduce the gap to to single digits.
1: Uh, take it or leave it. Liverpool are smiling at the end of the season. (laughs) I see this coming. Uh, Liverpool are very consistent. Last season, we know they lost just one game. And right now, they are 14 points clear. Let's assume they lose even two games till the end of the season. They'll still win this. That one, I can bet on that. Yes, on on
0: consistency, I really have to agree because... Liverpool have been so consistent that it's even scary. Keeping in mind that they can play uh, in the Premier League, they can play their second eleven like what they did in the Merseyside derby versus Everton. The likes of Shakiri, the likes of Lalana, were all given Kata. yes, they were all given their their opportunity uh, to don the red colours at Anfield, and they did it disappoint. So I think. That's actually what makes me fear Liverpool the most because at the moment they can win a match or two without Salah. And if maybe Mane gets injured, they have someone like Origi who has never failed to uh, to make those fans happy whenever he's being called upon. So I think uh, at the end of the day, maybe the title will be Liverpool's yeah, to lose. To
1: me. Uh, Leicester have the best defense in the Premier League, conceding just 11 games out of their 11 goals out of their last 17 games, followed by Liverpool. So you can tell Liverpool's defense is not as good as it was last season, but they are winning ugly, like 2-1 or 1-0 as yeah. usual. Yes. And when you see that, that's the winning style for every champion, champions, every other season, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not running riot as they did last season, but you can tell they have a winning mentality, yeah, so they don't have to smash five goals in to get the three points, yes. So that's why I said, feel like they'll smile at the end of the season,
0: yes. And we all know it's those uh crazy, dirty one nil wins and the two ones that usually show how resilient a club is. So those are the kind of wins that take you to a glory at the end of the of the season. So let's jump ship to the Spanish La Liga.
1: Uh, in the Spanish La Liga, things are getting hotter and the El Clasico is coming at a time when Real Madrid and Barcelona are tying on points with 16 games played. Barcelona, the top of the league on goal aggregate on goal difference because they have 35 points. Followed by Real Madrid, who also have that five points with a deficit of two goals in the goal difference. Then Sevilla is a surprise dad. With thirty-one points, not so bad for them. But they, they have played one more game ahead of Barcelona and Real Madrid. Then on fourth, there's a great surprise: Getafe are there with thirty points. Then Atletico Madrid have dropped their stature despite signing. The wonder kid. (laughs) Joe Felix. Yeah, Joe Felix. Everyone knew after they beat Real Madrid 7 in the preseason, everyone knew it's their league to lose, but they are not playing the best as they should be. They are still defending because they just conceded eight goals. I think that's the... They've just conceded ten goals. I think that's the best defense in Europe.
0: I think uh, the problem with Atletico is that just how everything applies in war, whereby you have to fight according to your strengths, and at the <laughs> moment, see, not even at the moment, always their strength is the defense. Yeah. So with conceding goals, you will always. Find them up there. I mean, not conceding a lot of goals, the same way like keeping clean sheets. They, they are they are they are always very good. But the problems the problem comes in where now they have <laughs> they have to score because they took they took a Chelsea flop in Morata, and Morata has not been able to supplement a, a lot of goals at the moment. And I also don't think that Geo Felix is old enough to to score the kind of goals that Griezmann used to score for Atletico.
1: Yeah, uh, the big problem, as you said, is which is your strong, uh, which is your stronghold for Atletico. Their stronghold is their defense, and they use that ugly defensive approach. To me, I don't like defending teams because I like. Flowing football, but as you can see, they've just scored 18 goals in the top 10 teams in La Liga. They've scored the least goals. Mm -hmm. You can't compare with Barcelona, who have scored 43 goals, and Real Madrid, who scored 33 goals. Yeah, they concede little, but they have a very terrific forward with the likes of Costa and Correa and Joe Felix and Alvaro Morata but uh let me give them an excuse in having Diego Costa injured mm-hmm. no he's a key man to that attack but again that doesn't give them the reason to flop so much because to me They invested also in defense. Mm -hmm. They bought Kieran Trippier who is a good defender and can supply crosses and everything, but they're still not performing well. Uh, On the list of their top scorers back from injury, Lionel Messi leads the top scorers chart with 12 goals. That's too little for Messi in a leg but I excuse his injury. Okay,
0: yes. I was also I was almost jumping to his defense, <laughs> but it's okay.
1: Yeah, and then we have Karim Benzema who is on a good run of form. Mm-hmm. He uh, actually scored an equalizer the ninety-sixth minute while playing with Valencia. That's what what type of a player you need who can save, uh, save the day even with a draw when it's too hard. Then a third is Suarez, who has nine goals. Then we have Angel Rodriguez, who has eight goals. Yeah, that's the standings of the La Liga.
0: Okay, that hey, that's absolutely wonderful because it's, as it looks like, it's very hard for someone even to know which team will smile at the end of the season because uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid are really, really uh, stressing each each other very much this season. And as we as we are leaving the La Liga conversation, who are you supporting for the El Clasico tonight?
1: Uh, I think I'm an anti-Barcelona fan. I really don't fancy Barcelona. I'm a big Hala Madrid fan.
0: So <laughs> it's different thing like to be a fan and and saying who will win. I'm asking who will win. Uh, you can be a Real Madrid fan but <laughs>
1: on who will win?
0: Yes. It's
1: not as hard as when Ronaldo was there. Mm-hmm. So I know Will be hard whether in no camp or in Banabu, Real Madrid might lose this because where Messi is,
0: anything can happen.
1: Anything happens, <laughs> and Messi is so good in these derbies and El Clasico's and yeah. big games. We saw him score the lone goal versus Atletico at the Wanda Metropolitano, mm-hmm. and yeah. So expect anything with Messi leading the front. Then, but anyway, anything happens in football. I support Real Madrid in this, though I'm kind of nervous. Barcelona might win this.
0: So, uh, for me, I support. I, not even a matter of supporting, but I feel Barcelona will carry the day, simply because they have a, a better man-to-man scored at the moment because uh, maybe the only place that Real Madrid can be better than Barcelona tonight is maybe the, the center back position because I feel like Barcelona have not been able to been down that position ever since Carlos Spuyol retired they've been trying a lot of people the likes of Mateo the likes of Umtiti now but Lenglet has really come in and is he's doing uh, pretty much well uh, ever since he was bought so maybe Ramos and Varane if they are serious enough tonight they'll be able to they'll be able to suppress the attack of Messi, Suarez and Griezmann and that will also be very hard because I think they'll have to be confused on who they will mark they will mark but the saddest part for Real Madrid tonight is that their uh, record transfer Eden Hazard will not be able to feature tonight due to injury but that Barcelona midfield and that Barcelona attack is what makes me think uh, Real Madrid will lose heavily tonight. Maybe 5 nil for Barcelona. Uh,
1: talking of losing heavily, I feel like uh, they won't lose heavily. And I kind of also feel Real Madrid have this. And there are two players to watch. It will be a very good game to watch. We have the likes of De Frank Dion and at the heart of midfield in Barcelona and the wonder kid,
0: mm-hmm. Rodrigo,
1: mm. for Real Madrid. And so I expect those are my two players to watch.
0: And also there's a very good Madrid kid called uh, Valverde. Valverde, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> also, also very good.
1: Yeah, Zidane kind of tends to believe in the kids right now with Vinicius Junior playing some couple of games, and Rodrigo starting almost every other game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some kids to watch that much. Uh, Let's jump shift to the controversial Syria
0: Mm -hmm. anti-racism campaign.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We saw them place a banner that says say no to racism with some monkeys with different colors. Uh, what's uh, what's your view on that? What do you say about that?
0: I I think I have to blame the Syria executives, the people who run the league. I think that was very foolish of yeah, them. Yeah, like
1: who even approved that? <laughs>
0: yes, yes, I'm even wondering. That's that was so foolish of them to think to even think of doing such a thing and what makes me happy is that different clubs uh, that play their football in Syria being led with clubs like AC Milan, clubs like AS Roma and even Inter Milan have really come out strong and condemned that kind of incidents because it's not normal of someone to think posting a monkey picture uh, that that can be the perfect photo to display your anti-racism uh, words so that was very b- bad for Syria for their image but i also feel like it's more of of trying to make people talk about the syria because being honest the syria is not uh, watched a lot like compared to the other leagues so making a meal out of this uh, racism card actually gets a lot of people to talk about Syria. So I think it's more of clout chasing and maybe, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe making sure that people tune into Syria. But apart from that, I have to condemn that. That was very bad.
1: Yeah, like how do you say no to racism? How do you fight racism with racism? That's <laughs> yeah. so damn of a. And whoever the graphic designer was, think he got that bad. But apart from the designer, whoever approved that for the campaign should be somewhere in jail right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look at the table in the standings of the Syria. We have Inter Milan who topped the table with 39 points from 16 games. We also have Juventus who are second with 39 points from 16 games also. Lazio, who are really doing well in that league, who have 36 points from 16 games. They are free scoring. They are the most they scored the most goals in Syria. And then we have Roma, who have thirty-two points from sixteen games. Then to cap that we have Cagliari at five who have twenty nine games from six uh, twenty nine points from sixteen games. Uh Lazio the team on form they've won their last five.
0: Yeah Lazio I think They are doing very well this season. They've actually uh, outscored the ambitions of the fans. In fact, their last win was a very emotional 2-1 win. Uh, I remember that win very well because uh, both teams scored their goals in the 90th minute. And it was was crazy scenes uh, at Lazio. So they are having a very good season at the moment courtesy of their main striker in 0 Immobile. But I have to say, so far, uh, Antonio Conte had really impressed me until the last two games whereby I feel the his man management has not been uh, the best because Juventus were dropped points uh, in two uh, consecutive games if I'm not wrong yeah, yeah. so it, it was uh, good for Conte and his Inter Milan team to find ways of, of which they can capitalize on that because we all know Juventus very well if you fail to, capitalize. to to capitalize on the days that they lose points it will bite you it will bite you later on in the league. So right now they are on they're on similar points. But Juventus will also have a very tough time this weekend because they'll be facing an in-form Lazio side. And I remember that game very well last season where Lazio played their hearts out. Yeah. But still Juventus won a, a courtesy of a last minute penalty
1: by, by we all know who Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo.
0: <laughs> So, Syria will be very interesting to watch this season.
1: Uh, going on the l- list of top scorers, we have Ciro Immobile. Wow, 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 wow. He's on a hot streak, he has 17 goals from the last 16 matches. Very with a gap of seven goals from the second, who is. Joe Pedro. Then we have the man himself, Romelu Lukaku. (laughs) And um, most Manchester fans will beat me to say that he's a very potential striker to be one of the best number nines. Uh,
0: We actually don't miss Lukaku because (laughs) (laughs) we actually don't miss Lukaku because he's got 10 goals and Rashford has got 10 goals. So... Yeah but I feel uh, we need a, a striker who's similar uh, to Lukaku but as long as that striker similar to Lukaku can can with control a the ball very good <laughs> first touch right Yeah with a very good first touch I don't <laughs> mind but for Lukaku uh, it was good while it lasted and I'm surprised Lautaro Martinez is not on that top scorers list because he's been phenomenal ever since coming I think they have scored almost 40 goals together with uh, with Lukaku. So that's a very formidable partnership uh, not to talk about.
1: Yeah, number 4 is the selling point of the Syria with Cristiano Ronaldo. I I think to me it's very hard right now to catch up with Ciro Immobile. We've mm-hmm. known Ronaldo as a very phenomenal finisher and Always wants to top the scoring charts, but with nine goals, eight goals behind Ciro Immobile, I think it will be so hard for him to catch up anyway. But the guy is a machine, you never know. <laughs> uh, let's jump to the Bundesliga where things are getting hotter. Uh, we have Leipzig at position 1 with 34 points from 16 games then we have Borussia Mönchengladbach with 31 points from 15 games they have a game in hand and we we at uh, that we have Dortmund Borussia Dortmund with 30 points from 16 games then we have Schalke who has 28 points from f- their last 15 games and then at fifth. It's a surprise to have Bayern Munich at (laughs) fifth. But we kind of all know how this league ends. They are they have twenty seven points from fifteen games. That seven points adrift from number one who are Leipzig. So what's your take on the Bundesliga?
0: Actually my team of the season so far has to be Shaka because they They had a very poor season last season, Mm -hmm. and uh, David Wagner, uh, who was sacked at Huddersfield, has come in as their manager and is doing a very good job at the moment. So, Shark has been, Shark of four has been doing uh, very well this season at number four. So, I hope they'll be able to work some miracles together with Bochen, Gladbach, Leipzig and Dortmund so that they can avoid, they can make Bayern Munich not qualify for the Champions League. So I'm a Dortmund supporter. Wow, wow, wow,
1: wow, wow, wow. that's hard. Talking of Bayern Munich not qualifying for the Champions League, to me I still place them as favourites to win that league.
0: Yeah, 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 me too.
1: So it's hard for them to not qualify for the Champions League. I
0: hope I hope Leipzig become uh, very consistent, and I hope that they don't drop points. I've seen this before.
1: Leipzig, yeah, yeah. Leipzig led the league last season. It was
0: the other season.
1: Oh, the season before. Yeah. Previous season when
0: they were promoted.
1: Yeah, and Bayern Munich caught up with them by game 30 so we expect from, right now it's only 16 games played there are 14 more games in that league to be played and that's where the things start to change and things start turning at game 25 or so Mm -hmm. because Bayern Munich are so consistent and Mm -hmm. They treasure their legs so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I What brings the biggest problem in this Bundesliga is because the other clubs, they don't have the experience of challenging the league as often as Bayern Munich. Yeah. So whenever they are subjected to pressure, they tend to collapse compared to Bayern Munich who, even if they are 10 or 15 points adrift they always know that we'll catch up we'll reduce this deficit and at the end of the day that's what usually happens so they work ways and uh, and come and come to get to these teams uh, at the end of the, of the day. Uh, let's
1: look at the list of the top scorers in the Bundesliga so we have Roberto Lewandowski He's a scoring machine. He has 18 goals and wow. I'm so amazed by Timo or Vanna. I know Vanna is a very good player but the rate at which he's scoring goals to catch up with Lewandowski at 18 goals is surprising Mm -hmm. because Lewandowski had a gap of almost 4 or 5 goals but now they are tied at 18 goals. Then we have Hennings who has 10 goals for Fortuna Dusseldorf and it's so amazing for him to be there. Then to cap that off we have Sancho and Reus who both have 9 goals for Dortmund and they Top assist leader is a surprise. Yeah, Thomas <laughs> Muller. People say they don't see what Muller does on the field, but right now they can see him uh, the, as the top assist leader. But I think Jadon Sancho will end the season at, as the top assist leader.
0: Yeah, that's that's very good for a 19-year-old, actually. So, and sadly uh, we come to the end of the episode today and we thank you for keeping us company. So until next time, keep it sporty, keep it the Sports fix podcast and we wish you also a prosperous new year.